0: With me now is Alan Pullinger, the CEO of the First Rand Group. Alan, thank you very much for your time. Good set of results out today, solid performance over the last 12 months, uh, paying a dividend. You must be generally happy with a solid footing given the tough environment that we are operating in. Thanks,
1: Bronwyn. I mean, we, we dreamt, I suppose, about sort of landing at this space, you know, 18 months ago when we kind of went into this pandemic. Um, I think we had to sort of feel our way through this. We didn't know how big the impairments were going to be. Um, you, know, we're not sh- you know, we weren't sure how long it was going to take us to get out of the teeth, if you like, of the pandemic. And we always dreamt of getting to a place, you know, l- let's just say on the other side, uh, whatever that means. And, but, but being in a healthy position, we can resume dividends. Uh, you know, we've got capacity for growth. Our capital's intact. So that's what we dreamt about. And and yeah, listen, thankfully, a lot of hard work, but uh, but we landed it.
0: The dream has become a, a vision. I mean, it's become a reality, rather. Uh, Alan, let's just talk about the, the current environment. I mean, we, we are still in a period of extreme uncertainty. And uh, you've got the analysts and the actuaries close to your ear. So what are you hearing about our... Our environment going forward. I mean, we've got all sorts of forecasts being made, including the fact that we're looking for a fourth wave. Having chatted to Ian Williamson just the other day, he's saying, you know, there'll be a fifth, sixth, seventh wave. This is with us till 2024. Is that what you're hearing?
1: Yeah, Bronwyn. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sort of nervous to venture into sort of the health space. Um, I, I, I guess I read. You know, what's coming out of the medical profession, you know, what uh, the virologists and professors are saying, and 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 you're right, I mean, uh, you know, they do talk about sort of ongoing waves. I mean, I, I sort of grasp onto the positive aspects, um, so, you know, they, they talk about, you know, successive waves being smaller and smaller because the elderly, you know, population is getting uh, getting well vaccinated, and they disproportionately uh, contributed to, to hospitalization so if we can solve that you know the pressure on the, on the hospitalization you know then hopefully government you know doesn't have to kind of you know increase levels of lockdown we can keep economic you know activity flowing and and there's a manageable flow of, of sort of, of, of hospitalization you know cases into into hospitals that they can cope with so I guess on the pandemic side, Listen, we are definitely in a much better space. I mean, we've got vaccines. Clearly, the vaccines work. Uh, there's so much data to 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 tell us that, and so I mean, that's brilliant. You know, you know, whatever a year, a year ago, we never had vaccines. Um, and, and, you know, and, so- and I
0: think that's an important point. I, I definitely don't want to make this a, a health discussion or a medical discussion, but just in your leadership position. The other debate that's raging, then I promise I'll leave the topic of the pandemic alone, but the, the vaccination strategy and to vaccinate or not to vaccinate, i.e. will you follow Discovery's lead in making it compulsory? Is that something that you are tabling as a leadership team?
1: So let me start off by saying I think the motivation that was put forward by Adrian Gore, I absolutely back that. I mean, it's, it's, it's clear thinking, it's sound, it's moral. Um, to be honest, it it is scientifically robust. There's no there's no doubt about it. I think it's hard to 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 conjure up a case against it. <clears throat> I guess from a group perspective where we are, we're in a slightly different phase. I mean, we're in this strongly encouraging our employees. So we've put out communication in that regard from a group perspective, plus all of our brands. So we're sort of on that campaign. We're making sure. It's super convenient. You'll know, you know, one of our, our big sites up here in, in Johannesburg, our training center here in Sandton. Essentially, we've given that over to the Department of Health, um, you know, probably three three months ago already, um, and they're keeping it, under, I think, until November, um, essentially as a vaccination site. So focusing on uh, the financial sector, not just banks, broader than banks, but I actually think now they're even doing walk-ins. So, we, you know, we're putting our facilities up, uh, we're making sure it's super convenient. Uh, we're trying to do a booking system to get our employees vaccinated. Of course, it's going to be at no cost to them. You know, we, you know, even if we have some employees who, for some reason, are not covered by medical aid, I mean, we will just pick up the cost. You know, we're not, we're not trying to sort of claim from government. So, I guess in this first phase, that's really where we want to push hard. We'll, we'll monitor the situation, see what happens with vaccine uh, sort of passporting. Um, but right now, I mean, yeah. Let, let, let's keep that uh, for a conversation down the road.
0: Then, uh, talking about the bank, as you say, a solid performance. You're very happy where you landed as a group. Are there star performers that you you want to reference at this juncture?
1: The FNB franchise is, you know, once again, sort of carrying the load. I mean, it is the biggest contributor to to earnings. It's it's got that intimate touch points, you know, with, with, with customers. It's the it's the exciting part of our strategy, which is playing out so so strongly in FNB. You know this digital platform, and we keep getting customer engagement on that, um, and it's a really sort of rich experience that's starting to scale. It's their you know their their brand performance. Um, you know the, the 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 most valuable brand sort of survey was was released uh, you know a couple of days ago, and and FNB won not just the most valuable bank brand, but in fact the most valuable brand. In the country so they've you know they've been front and center in terms of, of of helping customers not just through this pandemic but also the you know the looting that took place i mean there was an enormous you know ifb had to step up to the plate again you know uh, it, it, you know we didn't have a playbook for it you know we didn't sort of rehearse this thing it's you know you come into the office and you know 33 of your you know our branches are are, 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 are destroyed and about 260 atms and, you know, we didn't spend a moment in the sort of victim mindset uh, and complaining. They they immediately sort of pivot into, OK, help. How do we fix it? How do we get cash? You know, mobile ATMs, mobile branches. I mean, we were running into the Sasa payouts. So I have to say that, you know, that business, you know, where, where they've really been good is this ability to pivot at speed um, and, and just fix, you know, and. I mean, one thing I'll say about you know that FNB platform and their and and you know and their capabilities, that stuff works. You know, and and it sounds it sounds simple when I say it, but the burden of being sort of online, 24/7, 365, you know, with complexity there for customers. Of course, we have downtime. We have moments when our app isn't working. But if you look at it over a year it's like uptime of like 99.9%. I mean, it is it is seriously impressive. Um, and so, yeah, that team, I have to say, has, has pulled out the stops. So. Uh,
0: having chatted to the team quite regularly, this virtual environment, again, it's one of those elements that I think every single broadcaster is going to ask you today. What is the future of work look like for F&B? To what extent is it virtual? To what extent is it physical? I know that the, the virtual engagement has been something... That was in your planning phase pre-COVID, and uh, you you actually had a, a first move advantage, to, so to speak.
1: Yeah, um, and I think you're right. So so I guess these tools, like we're using Zoom at the moment, or you know, or, or Microsoft Teams, this remote working. I mean, we were always going to journey in this direction, but the the difference is um, we would probably have. Have started that by kind of dipping our toes into the water. You know, we we would have told the employees, you know, why don't you take a, a a day off a week and and work from home? And then we would have checked how that went. We would have calibrated. We'd have we would have made sure all our processes are working, communications working. And then we we would have then extended it. We would have said, oh, why don't you try two days a week? And we would have slowly sort of felt our way into this. The difficulty we had with with the pandemic, of course, is we went into that lockdown level five and, um, you know, 95% of our employees, I mean, literally within three days went home and they were not coming back. So we went almost to the extreme. And I suppose what we're trying to do now is sort of walk it back to, you know, where is a happy medium? You know, some things clearly have worked well. Other things, I think we have come at a cost. Um, you know, so listen, onboarding, you know, new employees, I think some of our, our cultural aspects that, that and it's a big part of the first train story. I mean, I think some of those have suffered a bit. I think the human connection sort of creativity, the, you know, there's pockets of our business which thrive on that stuff. So I think that stuff has suffered a bit. And so now we do need to sort of if we feel like walk it back. And let's try and find the happy medium. I'm not sure where it is. I don't think we will ever get back to fully on premises, Um, but I think we're we're not at a good space at the moment. So we do need to sort of get back. I don't know what it is. Let's just say three days a week, you know, on prem where, you know, you can interact with your teams. At least you see each other um, and, and we'll sort of work around that.
0: I suppose one thing for sure is that the boardroom conversations are shifting dramatically in terms of what you're tabling on a day-to-day basis. Now, David Shapiro, early on in my broadcast career, said to me, Bronwyn, the most important thing when you are interviewing the CEOs is to ask them about their forward-looking statements, their outlook statements, because that is what is really going to drive investment decisions. So I'm going to end this there by saying, what is your outlook statement for the 1st rand group? And, uh, of course, with the caveat that there's still a huge amount of, well, there's huge, a huge lack of visibility still in the system.
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's two important dimensions to our outlook statement. You know, one is what sort of earnings growth we can deliver, and the other one is our return profile. And, and I guess those two then translate into dividends. Um, let me start, Bronwyn, by saying, uh, let, let's anchor it to what we expect from the economy. So we are hopeful that we're seeing the early stages of a credit cycle forming. So what does that mean? It means that the precautionary savings that we see have been built up, those slowly get drawn down. The consumer picks up more confidence and they start spending. And then you see the, the, the lending from the banking sector in terms of loan books. They start growing. Um, you would have noticed that all the banks, I think, you know, saw very weak growth or, or or shrinkage on their balance sheet, and so we need that to reverse because I think banks that can't grow their you know their asset books, there is you know it's it's very difficult difficult I think for your earnings to grow. So against the backdrop of what we hope is a credit cycle forming, I do think we are going to be able to you know eke out a reasonably decent growth. We talk about trying to achieve a real growth in earnings, which is kind of um, CPI um, plus uh, the real gdp in the economy or if you you know roughly speaking nominal gdp and so we, we we set ourselves a target of trying to outperform that um so if we can do a couple of percent on top of that you know through a through a cycle that would be a great outcome for us our rae has bounced back into our range of 18 to 22 percent we you know we, we intend to keep it there um in that range and so i think that'll be good for shareholders and um if we can do that then 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 hopefully Is a a future stream of dividends.
0: Alan, thanks so much for your time. As always, Alan Pullinger is the CEO of the First Rand Group.